Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and as you can see, I'm here in Studio C with Pastor Nick Plummer. That's right, Studio C. Studio C. Once again, we have made it. We haven't had to use Studio D yet. That's the storehouse. Oh, that's true. We've got our office, the church, sanctuary. Fellowship Hall, yeah. and then the storehouse. So we really we're doing pretty good. I think Studio if we have a, a crisis or something. I think Studio A and Studio D are reserved for audio only. <laughs> you know, I don't think. No, I think you could do. I think you could do. We got room in there to yeah, do so. uh, in Studio D. Yeah, maybe in Studio D. A would be audio. No, we could probably still do it. We but could figure it out. Whatever. We have to put a table in there and all that. So far, I think B and C have been good. We would make it happen if we had to. It's true. You never know. It's true. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. Thank Thanks you. for being here uh, with Christians with Torah. I uh, want to just make sure that you know who we are, Christians with Torah. That means we're Christians. We believe in the basic Christian doctrine that uh, Jesus is the Son of God, Yeshua, that he died, was buried, and was raised by God on the third day. Amen. And that he died for our sins, and that the gospel is relevant today to every believer for salvation. Amen? Very good. Amen. And we believe that the Bible is relevant today all the way from Genesis to maps, which is an important point because we put an emphasis on Torah because nobody else is putting an emphasis on Torah. What does it say? What can I glean from it? Are there some things in there that maybe, you know, in this wicked culture I could get out of it to... To tell oh, yeah. you what it makes is sense. righteousness. There's lawlessness out there. That's exactly and right. And when you have Torah, you're lawful. Right. And good fathers instruct their children. And really, Torah means teachings and instructions. <clears throat> and good fathers teach and instruct their kids. God is the best father. Therefore, he teaches and instructs us. That's right. Through his word. Amen? Amen. So, we, uh, we for the last four years, we did the Torah portions. And this year, we've been doing Matthew. Actually, for over a year, we've been doing the book of Matthew. Very in-depth study, taking it piece by piece, breaking it down, looking at all the nooks and crannies, looking under every rock, finding all the gold nuggets. I don't think there's a nugget in here we haven't uncovered. Maybe there is. There's plenty. <laughs> so we could do a lifetime of this, yeah. I guess. Oh, yeah. And so today, we've made it all the way to chapter 27. We're going to do today verses uh, 1 through 26, and we're going to start off by reading verses 1 and 2. That's right. The Council of Religious Leaders Condemns Jesus. All right. Uh, Matthew chapter 27, verses 1 and 2. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. That's right. So the religious leaders had to persuade the Roman government to sentence Jesus to death because they did not have the authority to do it themselves. Right. The Romans had taken away the religious leaders' authority to inflict capital punishment. Politically, also, it looked better for the religious leaders if someone else was responsible for killing Jesus, right? Not to have blood on their hands. Oh, it was the Romans that did it. You know, what could yeah. we have done? It's like, well, 
That's it's, good. It's like that guy Ray Epps who's like, oh, I wasn't there. He's like, yeah, That's he's like, good. storm the Capitol, you know. That's it. So the, uh, the pilot was the Roman governor of the regions of Judea and Samaria from A.D. 26 to A.D. 36, so for 10 years. And I would say the most common assumption is that Yeshua died in A.D. 33. Yeah. And so the last— Three, three more years of Pontius Pilate. Yeah, last two and a half, three years. That's of, pretty good he lasted through that because that was like dealing with the early stages of Christianity and the apostles. Yeah. Wow. Well, and— and didn't you mention that he gets fired, right? He does not like he dies here. He gets fired, but then he kills himself. Yeah, right? he's he's exiled. Yeah. He so got, his, yeah. historically, I think that um, his mishandling. Yeah, he was exiled by the Roman of Caesar. the whole Christ debacle. And then he committed suicide. Yeah, he was dishonored. Yeah, and I think uh, it has a lot to do with his mishandling of the situation we're talking about That's here. That's right. So, um, you know the. The governor of Judea and Samaria, I wonder, man, like, what an interesting job to have with all these religious leaders and their pretentiousness and then the people and, like, just having to balance out all these different factions because that was a hotbed for—I mean, I guess Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria have not been really ever, like, super peaceful when— when the right people were there, you know? No, because you think about all the inhabitants that were in the land when they right. first went in there, right? all that residue— and then now this, with you have the, the Zealots, right? right? The Essenes, you have the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, you have the Romans. And they brought a lot of stuff back from Babylon. Oof, yeah, that's true. Because when they came back after that captivity. And then, of course, you have the Persians. And the Greeks. Well, go back and rebuild your temple, you know, and all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, so there was a lot of stuff. You know, they took out uh, the Israelites and replaced them with, uh, you know, other people, the Samaritans. Right. That's where they were looked down upon. All right, so we're going to read verses 3 through 5. I'll take that. Judas Uh, hangs himself. That's right. It says, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Phew. Seems like right after the timing of it all. You know, uh, Jesus' formal accuser, Judas, wanted to drop his charges, but the religious leaders refused to halt the trial. When he betrayed Jesus, perhaps Judas was trying to force Jesus' hand to get him to lead a revolt against Rome, because he was a zealot. This did not work, of course. Whatever his reason, Judas regretted his decision and changed his mind, but it was too late. Many of the plans we set into motion cannot be reversed. That's right. We must carefully think through the potential consequences before we launch into an action we may regret later. It was interesting, you know, somebody wanted to go into the military, but they they failed a drug test. Oof. So at this point, they they were not able to take it again. They disqualified themselves from ever being in the military just because of that one decision. Man. Now, maybe they'll change the laws later, the rules that, yeah, you can come back later and we'll, we'll check you out. But for, that's what the person told me that story. They said that was one of my regrets. You know, with the ridiculousness that they allow in the military today, something like that just doesn't make sense to me, like why that would be a rule. Right. <laughs> you, know? you know, I mean, so, so, you know, so, so many of the plans that we set into motion cannot be reversed. We must carefully think through the potential consequences before we launch into an action we may regret later. Boy, isn't that the truth? I mean, you know, God created the institution of the marriage, 
but you could marry the wrong person. Mm. And then, of course, as a real result, you, you will have children that you love dearly or whatever that you should love. But then again, you know, you can marry the wrong person and then, you, then you've got this you reap what you sow kind of thing. And uh, a lot of second marriages work better. I mean, it just depends, I guess. I don't know what the statistics are, but... You know, well, well the statistics are not good. So, yeah. so they say 50% of marriages end in divorce, right? Uh, but only f- 20, like 20 or 25% of first marriages end in divorce. Because the other percentage that jacks that up is people that get married second, third, fourth, fifth times. Those count in the total number of marriages versus the total That's number true. of divorces. Um, and so they, they rack up the the scoreboard on that but right before we were talking uh we're sorry right before we started the podcast we were talking and i mentioned how it's really nice when you can today appreciate your former self you know what i'm saying yeah i was i was listening to somebody else talk the other day and they were talking about how if you think of your future self as a good friend that you want to do favors for yeah you you can't go wrong right because hey should i wait and put this off till later, or should I just go ahead and knock it out? So my future self won't have to do it. I mean, just things like that. Because here, this statement is super, I mean, you can't overstate this. We must carefully think through the potential consequences before we launch into an action we may regret later. Now, I'm not advocating for analysis paralysis, but I am advocating for if you think you might regret it, you may want to think, Two or three times back. Well, there's a couple go. things going on. You know, it's kind of like, you know, how many days do I really get to go before they turn my electricity off? They gave me a date. <laughs> Let's see if I can get another day out of that or two days out well, of it's that. It's like also like gas, like in the tank. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> the little light comes on, and I checked in the, uh, in the handbook for the vehicle. When that light comes on, you have 25 miles. Yeah. According to factory, you know, specs. So I told my wife that. So she repeats it. This light is on. I I, I mean, I'll I'll get you the gas, but, you know, oh, I have 25 miles once the light comes on. (laughs) Are you keeping track of that? So you probably actually have like 40, but they tell you 25. It's just a good point. Like, how close can we get to the line, you know? So Judas's feeling of remorse and his attempt to return the blood money are recorded only by the Gospel of Matthew. So what's up with that? You know, Yeshua is a king, so he mm. sold him out. You know, and so he's like, he's the one that actually just was the one that actually yeah. uh, The betrayal and the out. hanging are recorded, but not the, the regret. Is that, is that right? I'm not really sure about I'm pretty that part sure, of it. I'm pretty sure the betrayal is there. The it hanging. says the feelings of remorse and his attempt to return the blood money huh. are recorded only by Matthew. So this is where you get let Scripture interpret Scripture kind yeah. of good stuff. According to Matthew, Judas hanged himself. Acts 1.18, however, says that he fell and burst open. The best explanation is that the limb from which he was hanging broke, and the resulting fall split open his body. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty rough, man. I don't even know what to say to that. I know. That's pretty Sharp good. rocks. <laughs> granite. I don't know what it is. Yeah, no. well, or, you know, he was hanging himself on, like, the side of a cliff or something, yeah. you know? And so he jumps off. But, you know, but people would try to, you know, when evidence demands a verdict by Josh McDowell, that's one of the, the discrepancies that they say. Oh, look, the, the Bible contradicts itself. No, it's it's a perspective. It's a viewpoint. It's... You know, it's just like I we, we were reading about how they they smote Jesus and they said, prophesy who hit you, you know, but doesn't say they covered his face. Right. 
But when you discover the other gospel, it says they did, did put something over his face and then hit him and said, right. you know, prophesy. Right. I mean, if you were to hit me, I know it was you. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, right. but but then you're like, you know, so you, you kind of put all this together. And it really makes your mind work because now you got to go to another gospel. Yeah. To fill in the blanks. So I forget I forget who, what the guy's name is, and um, I should remember his name. But there's a, a homicide detective who did who was an atheist and did a famous study of the Gospels from the perspective because he's a cold case, like a cold case homicide detective. So what they do is they go in and they specialize in um, uh, reviewing witness testimonies, right? Eyewitness testimonies, and. I, I even think that he was saying, because everybody assumes that all these cold cases are solved with like DNA evidence or something like that. And he says, for them, they're cold because they don't have that, right? They don't have those things. If they had those things, then they would obviously be able to, to solve the case easier. Right. So they're reviewing, um, they're reviewing eyewitness testimonies. And right. one of the things they expect to see is differences in the testimonies based on people's perspective, either in geographically, like from the room, where they're from, you know, right. like by their perspective from like how they think of certain actions and things like their that. Their relationship to the person. And leaving things out. So when you have multiple testimonies, you're able to take them and put them together and they overlap, just like what you just mentioned. Right. You know? Interesting. Which makes it more valid than if it right. weren't that way. That's that true. Makes sense. So let's jump into uh, Matthew chapter 27, verses 6 through 10, the potter's field. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read that. Uh, and the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful for to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore, that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord appointed me. Just a little note here. Wow. As the Lord appointed me. The field was full of broken pottery and unusable for agriculture. So it became a burial place. Mm. Those are the remains of the... Of the of the of the clay pots and stuff, so it was not used to, for agriculturally speaking. So, it was full of uh, pieces of pottery. And this was now th this pottery field was used. Like I think today we wonder why why is there a field of broken pottery that doesn't make any sense. But I guess back then, certain vessels because they're porous and they're clay pots when they're used for certain purposes have to then be broken. Is that correct? That's true. Okay. Yeah. So that's why they had this field where they would throw this pottery. Uh, almost like a dump. Yeah. Right? Okay. So uh, the chief priests had no guilt in giving Judas money to betray an innocent man. But when Judas returned the money, the chief priest or the priests couldn't accept it because it was payment for murder. So the hatred for Jesus had caused him to lose all sense of right and wrong. Imagine <laughs> this, bro. Imagine how demented these people are. I, I feel like I watch this on social media and sometimes. It's the, and it's the priests. Like, But you know how people come up with It's religious like, leaders. How right. rotten can you be? Well, that's what I'm saying. I think we watch this. Sometimes. I mean, if I put myself in, in their shoes, I would be embarrassed. Like that. What's that lady? Is it? Was it? I don't. I forget who it was. It was either the secretary of the treasury. Something the other day was talking about if you want to stimulate the economy, have an abortion. I don't know. What? <laughs> I don't know. That's a quote. That's a quote from a government official. From a government official in this that administration. Needs, we, we need to uh, like within the last month. We need month to be posting so. that. We need to be quoting people. Well, that's my point, is that this is demented 
thinking, right? They've lost all sense of reality when it comes to right and wrong. And yeah. so when they are, like when they're trying to make a decision, it's like, holy cow, you know? I don't know. It's just insane. I think this is the same type of thing. When these government officials, which, you know, these priests are basically government officials of their day, have lost their minds and are doing these things, but they're still trying to like fit into like some set of rules. Like, where did you come up with these rules? Like you just paid a dude to for murder, but when he brings the money back and wants his money back, you can't put it back in the treasury. Like, are you for real? Like just take it back in the treasury, dude. That's almost, that's a hypocrite. You took it out of the treasury to pay for murder. It's a hypocrite. Uh, it's insanity. It really is. So, so then verses nine and 10, then this was fulfilled uh, with, then this bleh, then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord appointed me. What a direct quote. I mean, like, how, how is this even possible, this happening? Because there's like, what, three, four parties involved in this. You have Jesus, right? This is a messianic prophecy. Oh, yeah. You have Judas, right, bringing the money back because he's so guilt-ridden. And then you have the chief priest buying this field, fulfilling this prophecy. And you're just like, how? How is it so specific, you know, that this would happen? That's so, interesting. You know, I guess it says here that... Uh, right. So, so this prophecy was found specifically in Zechariah 11, verses 12 and 13. But may also have been taken from Jeremiah 18, 1 through 4, 19, 1 through 11, or 32, 6 through 15. Uh, in Old Testament times, or during the time of Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah was considered the collector of some of the prophet's writings, and so perhaps this is why his name was cited rather than Zechariah's. Maybe like right. it came from Jeremiah's library or something. Very interesting. I mean, it, it makes you do the little study there, but but it is actually found in Zechariah chapter 11, verses 12 and 13. So. Like directly. Yeah. Like, a direct, like how is that even possible that this happens so specifically that way? And that's a specific prophecy. And these are the things that when you... It's the mosaic that we're putting together. Right. When you consider... Did Jesus fulfill the prophecies? And there's people out there that be like, "You didn't fulfill any of them." And I'm like, "Really? Like that's not even a, that doesn't even make any sense." Like when you go and you read them, you're like, "Well, he fulfilled this." It's pretty he pretty this, incredible when you think about these prophecies. Yeah. Why he's got to give us prophecies to prove that he's God? That's right. And that's why I'm so excited about the future prophecies. Prophecies about people, the two houses, Ephraim and Judah. There are prophecies about Ephraim. That's right. Why aren't you studying it? Who is Ephraim? Why do you need to know? Where is he? What is that's he a doing? Good question. Is Ephraim Jewish? I would love to hear from our listeners, people that watch this podcast. Yeah, you know. Who is Ephraim? Yeah, who is Ephraim? Tell me, who is Ephraim? I know Batya Wooten wrote a book, Who is Israel? Yeah. And Why You Need to Know. And Why You Need to Know. All right, Jesus is brought to Pilate. You ready to read? I am. I am. So uh, verses 11 through 14. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest... And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. So now he's brought before Pilate. Right. Standing before Pilate, the religious leaders accused Jesus of a different crime than the ones for which they had arrested him. They had arrested him for blasphemy or claiming to be God, but that charge would mean nothing to the Romans. It would mean nothing to the Romans, right? Mm -hmm. 
So the religious leaders had to accuse Jesus of crimes that would have concerned the Roman government, such as encouraging the people to not pay taxes, claiming to be a king and causing riots, of which he did none of these. But they're saying we can make these accusations, we can stir up the pot here, and hopefully the Romans will, will kill him. Because we want him dead. We don't want him to suffer. We don't want him in jail. We don't want to just excommunicate him or ship him off to Greece. No, we're going to, we're, we're going to have him killed. Uh, these accusations were not true, but the religious leaders were determined to kill Jesus, and they broke the commandment uh, in Exodus 20, verse 13, in order to do so, which is, of course, murder. Mm. Thou shalt not murder. We kill in times of war. You kill in, in times of self-defense, but God does not want us to murder. So that's why you don't want to take that out of context. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and so basically, you know, this is uh, what we have. And, and you know, <laughs> I love these, these two verses of 13 and 14. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Wow. Mm-mm. That's crazy. Yeah. And so remember, they, they took him to the... Uh, Took him to uh, Anna's house. Right, that was first, right? Yeah. If you look at, was that Luke? That I do that believe that the six trials of Jesus. And then they went to Caiaphas' house. Mm-hmm. And then they sent him to Pilate. And then he sent him to Herod. Then it went back to Pilate. But there's actually six trials of Jesus. Mm. Very interesting. So that's five of them, right? Yeah, let's see. So Annas, Caiaphas... Pilot, Herod, Pilot, and then I guess it was the uh, the religious leaders that crucified oh, the Sanhedrin. The crucified the first one. Yeah, well, well, we'll have to figure it out. But I think Sanhedrin was that. Yeah, I, I don't have the book, but John W. Lawrence he passed away. He's a great theologian. But yeah, the six trials of Jesus. Boy, if you can get that book, you better hold on to it because it's worth a lot of money. Right. So all right. So the release of a prisoner, verses fifteen through eighteen. I think you're up to read. Wow, I get to read. You get to read. All right. Uh, the release of a prisoner, or you could call it Jesus sentenced to death. All right. Um, now, at that uh, feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. Right. Wow. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. Yeah, I I read an extra verse. You're getting ahead. I'm getting all excited there. I got a pilot's wife jumping in there. That's okay. So Barabbas. So Barabbas was a notorious criminal. Um, He was a... Accused of committing robbery, insurrection, and murder. Now, the insurrection piece makes you think that he might have been a zealot, right? That there's a possibility that he was committing crimes yeah. as, a, as a mission of his zealotry, right? right? Um, and the people, like the regular folks, weren't real keen on the zealots, is my understanding, mainly because they caused problems. Insurrection, yeah. Right. Well, when they when there's an uprising, then the Romans get real hot, and then they start beating on everybody. You know, yeah. it's kind of one of those those issues. And so 
Um, also, the name Barabbas, Bar Abbas, means son of the father. I know. Which is interesting because the son of the father is the one that's taking his place. I know. So it's wow, interesting. And so, whose name is God's salvation. Yeah, son of the father is actually going to be on the cross then. Right. Not Barabbas. Not Barabbas. Yeah. Interesting how that works. And so also, it was customary for Pilate to release a prisoner during the feast uh, for winning favor with the masses. And so uh, this was the feast of Passover coming up. It was already part of like the, the business of the day for them to you know, do a, a prisoner release. And he was trying to give them the opportunity. Hey, do you want Barabbas or do you want this Jesus, which is called Christ? And obviously they choose Barabbas because they want to crucify Jesus. So, All right, so now moving on to the verses about Pilate's wife. you got to read verses 19 to 26, just so you know there's a little typo there. All the way through. We're going to finish it up. I'm going to name it 19 to 26, yeah. All right, so I'm going to read it from the New King James then, and it's going to come. So while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? And they all said to him, Let him be crucified. Then the governor said, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that the tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered, said, His blood be on us and on our children. Oh, my gosh. Then he released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. So it wasn't enough just to be crucified. Now they're going to scourge him. Oh, my gosh. And I think other accounts have him go and get beat and come back. Yeah, we could probably look and see the, the timeline or the, you know, the outline of, of the events that took place based upon the, uh, the witnesses of the four Gospels. But, but for a leader who was supposed to administer justice— Pilate proved to be more concerned about political expediency than about doing what was right. right. He had several opportunities to make the right decision. His conscience told him Jesus was innocent. Roman law said an innocent man should not be put to death. And his wife had a nightmare that caused her right, to encourage her husband to let Jesus go. Pilate had no good excuse to condemn Jesus, but he was afraid of the crowd. Faced with a clear choice, the people chose Barabbas, a revolutionary and murderer over the Son of God. Faced with the same choice today, many people are still choosing Barabbas. Ugh. They would rather have the tangible force of human power right now than the eternal salvation offered by the Son of God. That's a tough truth. You know, the, 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 it says right here, uh, Pilate saith unto them, in Matthew 27, verses 22 and 23, Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, 
let him be crucified. And the governor said, why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, let him be crucified. Now, we're no, you know, we're, 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 you know, no one to just pick this apart. But I mean, a few days earlier, the people of Jerusalem had shouted Hosanna at Jesus' entry. Now they cry, let him be crucified. Now, this could be a different crowd, a, a, a hostile crowd or whatever, the, or the Pharisees and Sadducees yelling and screaming and getting the people worked up into a frenzy, like people being shipped into a riot or protesters being bussed in. I've never heard of this. I have. And, um, Does that happen here but, in America? But, you know, not in America. So they got the wrong people. You know, just because you're wearing a MAGA hat doesn't mean you're a Trump follower. Mm. I mean, you know. So just because the, the gates, you know, you know, of the, of the, the you know, January 6th, you can't say that that was all Trump supporters. You know, this is where we get in trouble. Right. Well, that's that Ray Epps thing, you know. It's like, oh, I wasn't, he hasn't even been charged. So that's part of the reason why everybody thinks that he's, you know, he was a, he was a plant by somebody. Was because that he, he he's obviously the one on video yelling out all the things and encouraging everybody to storm the Capitol. He's the first one that was there. Oh, pushing I, didn't, over, I didn't know that. Yeah. Pushing over the... the you know, those fencing, that the barricades, barricades. Yeah. He's right there. I don't think he's touching the barricade. He's yelling like, oh, you guys got to, you know, do this. He's whispering some guy's ear and then they all storm it. And then he runs after him and runs into the, you know, up to the Capitol. But he never got charged with anything. But like grandmas and stuff that were just walking around on a tour of the Capitol got arrested. <laughs> I don't know. It was just the, uh, the wrong place at the wrong time. But he was, but see, he's such a. The whole thing was wrong. He's a. Uh, what do they call it? a high profile figure involved in this and never got charged with anything, but all these other people got charged. So it's like, that's a, that's a respecter of persons. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. So here you got a group of people yelling Hosanna, you know, a few days earlier because Yeshua had to go into the city before Passover. So he could be examined. Right. Remember on the 10th of Nisan, the 10th of the first month, you take in the lamb, you examine it for four right. days. Right. Then you, at twilight, the, the I lamb. I always try to buy my lamb around that day. So. You bring it into the house. I'm telling you. Marinate it. <laughs> Let's see what we got here. I'll let you take over from here. Number oh, yeah. 11. Okay. So. Um, so now we're going to get into this, what, what, what's probably going to do now. The, 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 the crowd is hostile. Right. It, it's going political now. He's not looking good. He's going to have a rise. He's going to have something on his hands here. Sure. The crowd. So, so tell, tell, tell everybody what Pilate's going to do. All right. So verse 24. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Meaning. You know, there's a saying about washing of your hands. I washed my hands of that. I get it. Yeah. But I guess he was doing like some ceremony of hand washing you know, out of respect for the priesthood. So he was running. I've out. heard that. I don't know. I don't if know we if, can if, say if that he understood that other. or whatever, but I think whole, he was doing exactly what it sounds like. He's saying, I'm washing my hands of this man's literally, blood. Literally, literally. Yeah. To show, but to show a figurative right. point. Right. And so in making no decision, Pilate made the decision to go with the crowd and let them crucify Jesus. Although he washed his hands, the guilt remained. Washing your hands of a tough situation doesn't cancel your guilt. That's a good point. Uh, it merely gives you a false sense of peace. Don't make excuses. Take responsibility for the decisions you make. What about this, though? There's some sayings that, you know, maybe we shouldn't be saying. <laughs> I've said I've washed my hands of that, but I wasn't at fault. I use it in the context of they've made up their mind. They're stuck. 
mm-hmm. I wash my hands of it. Right. So the, you, you understand what I'm saying? I would say the context. But I, I, I had no guilt in that. This person, I, I'm trying to persuade right. from thinking a certain way, saying certain things. And I'm like, no, this is not good. You can't be saying that. You can't be doing that. And I just, you know, I got to the point where, you know what? I, it continues in that degree. I don't see it with an improvement. And I'm like, you know what? I wash my hands of that. But, but see, I don't have guilt or shame. I think, Maybe it's out of context for yeah, me. Yeah, I, I think that's out of context. It's so, out of context. So the context here is a if person you're guilty. With, the ability, with the ability to step in has the responsibility to step in. So what I need to say is, hey, you made your bed. <laughs> you can lay in it. <laughs> but I heard that's not a good saying. It's, it's not nice. I mean, you know, it's not that. It's not that it's not a true it's saying. It's kind of like a release, you know. It's... It's just that, is that how know. you want others to treat you? I mean, I don't want to give up on them or anything. I'm like, hey, you, know, you made your bed, you lay in it. Like, this is the path you want to go. This is what you want to do. Okay, I'm going to try to talk you out of it. I'm going to try to reason with you. I don't feel good about it. But, hey, you know what? You made your bed, you lay in it. I so. think, again, the guilt lies when you have the ability to step in and save somebody, right? Not save them from the consequences of their own actions. I think that's a whole separate category. But save someone in an innocent, who's innocent or in a situation like, like, imagine watching somebody get hit by a truck that you could have helped right? and, and totally have been safe yourself. Those are the things where I think that it's the, it behooves the person to help, right? It's a, what do they call it? The Good Samaritan laws and things like that, right? Well, he's obviously in charge. He could have put a stop to it and said, no, nope, we're not crucifying this guy. Mm-hmm. Let's just ship him up to a different province and call it a day. Put him back to Galilee, you know, extradite him, you know. And then called it a day. It is interesting how it played out, though, especially relevant for today in politics. Oh, man. When you dropped the ball. Did you read that bullet point again? No. I ha- well, I ha- the, uh, which one? The one, the one back on the here? very bottom, page three? Yep. In making no decision, Pilate made the decision to go with the crowd and let them crucify Jesus. <sighs> Although he washed himself or washed his hands, the guilt remained. Washing your hands of a tough situation doesn't cancel your guilt. It merely gives you a false sense of peace. Don't make excuses take responsibility for the decisions you make. That's what I was mentioning, right? So verses 25 and 26 to end us here is then answered all the people saying, I'm sorry, then answered all the people and said, his blood be on us and on our children. Then released Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered them to be crucified. I find this interesting because they're calling the guilt onto themselves He's washing his hands of it. I almost feel like this is like a ceremonial, like, yeah, no, guilt's on them, right? I'm, you know, I'll, clearly Pilate suffered and consequences. They even said it. But, uh. So his blood be on us was a common idiom denoting culpability for someone's death. The people placed the responsibility of Jesus' crucifixion directly on themselves, and they were judged with the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. However, future generations should not be held responsible for the sins of their ancestors. And you can look at Ezekiel 18 for that. Uh, for that would be unjust. And we could find references in Matthew 27, 25, which is the one we just read, Deuteronomy 24, 16, and Jeremiah 31, 29, and 30. Which What's is, the one in Ezekiel? It's Ezekiel 18, the whole chapter, which is a cross-reference to the Jeremiah 31, 29 through 30, which is the father's have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, that that'll no longer be said in Israel. So Ezekiel 18 um, is, is another one. So Jesus was scourged by Roman flogging and was a horrific, which was a horrifically cool. I can read today, I promise. You okay? I am. <laughs> 
What's in your bottle? Water. Yeah, it's just water. Sure. Uh, so, well, it's also, I think, I think we've got a typo here. It says, Jesus was scourged by Roman flogging, which right. was a horrifically cruel punishment. Good point, yeah. yeah. We'll fix that. Those condemned to it were tied to a post and beaten with a leather whip that was interwoven with pieces of bone and metal, which <laughs> tore through the skin and tissue, often exposing bones and intestines. Ah. I know. I just can't imagine. I know. So in many cases, the flogging itself was fatal. The Romans scourged Jesus nearly to death so that he would not remain alive on the cross after sundown. Barabbas is a picture of us, and Yeshua took his place in the middle of two thieves on a cross. Man. So it just gets worse, by the way, right? I mean, this is we're, we're at verse 26. It just continues to, like, to get bad. I don't think it really gets good until chapter 28, you know, which is when we start to turn a corner. But if I'm a disciple right now, I'm not really enjoying this process, you know. That's why, you know, Peter's already denied him three times and run off, and we've been scattered amongst, you know, the people or whatever, or the disciples are in hiding, all that kind of stuff. So, oh, not good. So, Pastor Nick, what two points did you get out of Matthew chapter 27, verses 1 through 27? This is what I got, which is pretty powerful. Um, one is to, of course, take action. Number two is to, to be grateful. Number one would be to take action. Uh, think about the consequences before you speak or act. Because mm. uh, Judas regretted doing that, threw the money back, you know. My dad always taught me, son, before you do something, think about the consequences. He would always say that. Number two, just like Barabbas was supposed to die on a cross between two thieves, but Jesus took his spot that represents us. That's right. Mm, propitiation. Pastor Don said something at our table a couple weeks ago about, you know, the, the prison was nearby because you could really get the prisoners, right? Yep. And the prisoners could hear what was going on to some degree, you would think because you're bringing them right out, you know. And so Pastor Don was saying, can you imagine being Barabbas where you're in your cell and you hear your name? Barabbas, Barabbas. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Wow, they're calling my name. That would and then a little few moments later, you hear, crucify him, <laughs> crucify him. <laughs> and you're like, oh, man, uh, it's, 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 yeah. it's, it's coming. Yeah. And so he's released. Yeah. Now think about if you put yourself in his shoes, the this the joy and the I'm getting off. And they, and they actually said in some commentaries you know, among Roman government and the laws, you could never try him again. He's 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 innocent for the rest of his life. You can't bring any charges against him if you release him. So it's something to think about the Roman law. I have to go back and re research yeah. that. But yeah, those are my two things. So my first one is be careful what oaths you take, because I mean let his blood be on us and our children. That does not sound like something that I would be parting. You know, like Jacob said, whoever is taking those idols, let them die. Let's it was Rachel. say that I was like whipped up in a crowd or ideologically against Jesus at that time. And I was crucify him, right? You know, he needs to die. The minute they turn to let his blood be on us and our children, be like, I'm out. I'm gone. <laughs> Count me out. I don't want him to die that bad. <laughs> yeah. His blood be on y'all and y'all's children. 
That's tough, man. Yeah, that's a tough one. Who so the second thing is, uh, I heard this. Uh, Tucker Carlson did a speech at the Heritage Foundation the other day, and he mentioned something that I thought I I was <sighs> pondering, and I've been pondering it since I watched it. And it, he said that like political or mental courage is sometimes harder than physical courage, right? Because sometimes you can get whipped up in a you know in adrenaline or emotion, and you can you know storm the beach or you know run in to save the baby from the fire and all that. But when it comes to ideological courage and the things that are going on today, if somebody is, you know, I think the example he gave was a, a, you know, an executive vice president for a bank that is all into this wokeism, and they make, you know, whatever, a bunch of dollars a year, and they've got their kids in private schools, and they have all this lifestyle to maintain, and this company just wants them to put, you know, their preferred pronouns in their email signature or something like that, you know, um, most people are going to go along with that because that type of courage is rare because people want to fit in for self-preservation and they chip away at you little by little in order to get you to, to go along with it. I feel like the same thing is happening here. This is, uh, you know, people that should be standing up, right? Like Pilate, because in truth, like the disciples, there was physical harm that might've been threatened against them for, for not, for, for, standing up for Jesus, right? But for Pilate, in his position, he could have just been like, nah, go scram, and then flogged everybody on the way out. And he even said that oh, they're only trying you because they're jealous of you right? for what you've created and done. You're drawing people to yourself and away from them and exposing them. They're just jealous. That's right. Boy, he, he, hey, he had wisdom. He did. In that degree. Pilate knew these people, right? So this is not like, you know, Pilate is not... Right familiar with with this religious leadership group and it's a to him probably just a necessary evil that he has to keep them around and because they're corrupt he's able to work deals with them yeah and so that's part of the gig here wow. for him you know um but Pilate could have stood up for righteousness and not allowed an innocent man to be put to death right which is what he should have done but because again he was politically expedient like the point we had before he went with it. And I think today we're facing issues like this right now. We're facing issues where people are going along with things that they know are stupid, that they know are wrong, just to get along. And I think that we're finding that that's been going on for too long. And now the things that they're having to go with to get along are just absolutely asinine, stupid, and crazy. And it's unfortunate because now you've... Uh, what was the guy talking about? Give to Caesar. What is Caesar? Give to the Lord. What is the Lord? We've given to Caesar so much and we've gotten so used to just bowing to Caesar. Yeah. We don't even know how to, to give to the Lord. What's the Lord's, you know, we don't even know what belongs to the Lord anymore. We have a, a skewed outlook on things. That's true. And you have to follow the government up, up until, you know, it causes you to sin. Right. Well, and, and knowing what, it, what belongs to Caesar, so to speak. Right. What is What is it that he should be allowed to do? So. I mean, it's real easy. You know, the Repu- Repu- Republican Party is small government. Democrats, big government. Well, it used to be that way. It used no. to be that simple. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, there's a left You can right. pray us out. Yeah. All right. Father, thank you so much that your son took the punishment that we so rightly deserved, God. And I just pray that you would... Endow us all with your spirit of courage, Lord, that you would give us courage to, to, and your wisdom to know what to do and when to do it, what to say, what not to say, Lord, and how to stand up for righteousness in a wicked and perverse society, God. 
And we just thank you, Lord, that, that you have kept us this far, that you have saved us from our sins, Lord, and that our eternal salvation is in you. And we love you and we, we pray in your precious Son, Yeshua's name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, bless you guys. Keep the conversation going in the comments for us. We'll uh, we'll be there to to greet you if you ever say anything. And don't forget to count the Omer. Oh. Remind everyone yeah. how, you know, it's in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 15 and 16. That's right. And so we will be celebrating uh, Shavuot at the end of May. That's right. It'll be on a Saturday. Because right. we count seven Sabbaths from that weekly Passover, just so yeah. everybody understands. There's more information on our YouTube channel with Miss Libby Davis uh, and the different steps of counting the Omer to the point of uh, it represents, of course, wheat, it represents Yeshua, and it represents us. Yeah, and we're recording this on Friday, uh, April 28th, which is the 13th day of the counting of the Omer. It's sundown. Uh, it begins Shabbat. It'll be the 14th It'll day be of the 21st. That's what I meant. Yeah. The 21st. The 20, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 20th, 21st. Yeah, I think that's right. Day of the counting of the Omer. You said 13th, 14th. I did, and I, I messed it up because I'm You know, old. you've been uh, in another realm. I have. I've been off for a week. <laughs> you've, been off off the, of, you've been off the grid. Off the reservation. Off the grid. <laughs> um, anyways, the 20th, 21st day of counting of the Omer. Oh, hallelujah. So, Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kid Shenuba Mitzvotav Itzivanu El Sifarat HaOmer. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, whose commandments add holiness to our lives and gives us the command to count the Omer. Today is 20 days of the counting of the Omer, which is two weeks and six days of the counting of the Omer. Hallelujah. That was easy. Yeah, it was. Praise the Lord. That's why I love the Torah, because people make it's it It's low-hanging like, fruit. It's low-hanging fruit. I've got to start using that. <laughs> it's I get just it so now. easy. It's so we can easy. honor the Lord so by just counting the Omer. Can you count to 50? You, know, you don't on. even have to say that blessing. That blessing is just to give us a little you know, pomp good. and circumstance, you know? Yeah, it but is. But you don't have to have all that. You could just say, you know, count and It's a time of creativity, too. It is. Because the, the nation of Israel was founded during the counting of the Omer, and so uh, the rest of the half of Jerusalem was taken back, fully restored in the Six Day War of 1967, early June, uh, during the counting of the Omer. So, That's right. counting the Omer is incredible. It is. It is. All right. Well, bless you guys. Have a great week. <laughs>